righty, let's uh, kill the pulpit mic. Make sure we get a genuine test of this. Very good. Is that on? All right, everybody hear that okay? All right, we'll see how she goes here. All righty. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your grace. And thank you for what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your blessings. I pray, Lord, tonight that you'd speak to our hearts. Please, Lord, I pray, do something tonight in the heart of every person, beginning with me. I pray in Christ's name, amen. I believe with all my heart that there are hundreds of people in the city of Danbury who would have happily come to church this morning if it were not for one thing. We don't have the workers to care for them. Now let me stop right here and say, we're not asking for, I'm not asking for volunteer workers tonight. Because that's not the solution that Jesus gave us. But I will say before I tell you what the solution is, and we just read the solution. We read what is maybe one of the most ignored prayer promises in the Bible. Now, you look at it and say, well, pastor, it's not really a promise. I think the promise is implied. It is a command. But I think the promise attached to the uh, command is implied in the statement. We'll get to that in a second. But first, let me go back to my statement that if it were not for One thing, we don't have the workers to care for them. Notice I didn't say we don't have the workers to go out and get them. We actually do have the workers to do that. But we don't have the workers to care for them once they get here. Say, well, why would people stay away if they they don't know what's going to be here when they get here? It's not about what the people know, it's about what God knows. God does not send people to burden a church that is not prepared to handle them. Now, I didn't just make that up. I've learned that and been taught that by pastors who have grown churches from our size and smaller to much bigger than our church. And time out, let me say... I'm not trying to build a big church. Now, that, you, that may rub you the, the wrong way. I don't have a right to decide how big our church is. To me, if I just wanted to enjoy life, I'd freeze it right here. And I get to come and teach the Bible and, man, you know, have some people saved on a regular basis, have visitors. And, but, man, with church growth comes headaches, and I don't want any more headaches. So if I could choose, I would just say, hey, let's just keep it the size it is right here. I don't have a right to decide to freeze the size of the church. And obviously, I don't have the power to say, hey, let's have a church of 500. All of that is in God's hands. What I do have a job to do, a responsibility to do, is to see to it, and so do you, that the gospel gets to all 85,000 people in this city and beyond. And 
I'm convinced, not just based on sitting in a room and guessing what's going on out there, but by visiting people, interacting with people, talking to people. I am persuaded that there are hundreds, I would say, yeah, I would say thousands, but I'm not sure I'd keep credibility with some of you if I said, oh, thousands, pastor, come on. I'm persuaded that it's thousands, but I have no doubt that it's hundreds. Hundreds of people that sat at home this morning, I don't mean they were ready to go and nobody picked them up. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they would have been very happy to come to church this morning But we don't have the workers to care for them once they get... If if they were to show up, it would be chaos here. And it would not only not help them, it would hurt you. It would hurt your family. And God does not send people where they're going to be a burden to that church. This is his church. He protects it. But... I know from reading this passage that God has compassion for the multitudes. And here's the interesting thing. The statement that the reason that the multitudes don't come is because there are not enough workers is right here. It says it right there in your Bible. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion Because they fainted, were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Listen, if the Son of God isn't enough to reach them, I'm not. And if Jesus and the twelve disciples and the people that traveled with them to assist them wasn't enough to reach the multitudes, we're not. So it's keeping hundreds of people from coming to church is that we don't have the workforce to care for them once they get here. I'm not saying that puts you on a guilt trip. I'm not saying trying to get you to volunteer to do a job. There is something I want you to commit to do tonight. But first, I've got to help you to believe from the Scriptures. I, the Holy Spirit's got to help you to believe from the Scriptures what needs to be done. You, I think you know where I'm going because it's so obvious. But let's be methodical in how we get there. Jesus gave the solution to the problem. But we don't use it. Pray ye therefore, therefore, because the multitudes are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd, and because there's the harvest is great, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We have a crisis. I'm talking about Northeast Baptist Church has a crisis. We have a responsibility to reach our Jerusalem For Jesus Christ. And we don't have the workforce to do it. I am going to. And I believe this is true. And if if you say well you don't know the truth. It's not true. I'm still going to give you the benefit of the doubt. 
I'm going to give everybody in this room the benefit of the doubt that you're doing everything you can for Christ right now. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that with any false uh, motive or, or what I really believe is, no. I'm giving this entire crowd tonight the benefit of the doubt that you're doing everything you can. But we still have a responsibility to reach this city for Christ. On an average Sunday morning, we have around 120 people between here and downstairs in a city of 85,000. Not counting New Fairfield, Patterson, Brewster, Richfield, not counting the towns that surround us. Just inside our city, 85,000 people. I think it's 84 point something. That was yesterday. It's probably 85 by now. 120 people on an average Sunday in a city of 85,000 people. God said to Paul, and I take this as one of the things that motivates me, God said to Paul when he was at Corinth, I have much people in this city. I believe God has much people in this city. People that if they were to hear the gospel and have the opportunity to come to church, they would get saved. They would follow the Lord. What is lacking? The crisis is we have a commission and we don't have the workforce to reach them. With God's people doing everything you can, and if I, was gonna, if I was gonna assume that anybody wasn't doing their best, it wouldn't be the Sunday night crowd. This is, this is the crowd that gets it. This is the, to me, the crowd that still believes in Sunday night church is the crowd that gets it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna not waste a breath trying to say, we need to do more and you need to volunteer. But Jesus didn't say that that was the solution anyway. We have a crisis. People need to be reached for Christ. We don't have the manpower to reach them. The remedy is ask God to send workers. That's the remedy. Dear God, please send workers. Dear God, please send workers. Now, if you're going to claim this promise, the first thing you've got to do is understand that God is in charge of the harvest. It says, pray the Lord of the harvest. It's very important to understand that God is in charge of this thing. When I see pray the Lord of the harvest, my mind goes to when I've worked in, in, uh, for different companies, but when I worked for two different steel companies while I was in Bible college, and I always worked the second shift. Usually it was 3 to 11. And the second shift in both companies tried to outwork the first shift, but the second shift never had the resources that the first shift had. Do you know why? Because during the day shift... What we called the white hats were there. The white hat, you know, I wore a hard hat, it was blue. The foreman wore a hard hat, it was yellow. But the men in the office, when they, when they um, did us the wonderful service and honored us by coming out into the floor where we worked, they wore white hats. 
And so when you saw a white hat, you know, bobbing up over the steel, the t- stacks of steel, you stood a little straighter. <laughs> if, you were, if you were goofing off, which I never was, but other guys, if they were goofing off, uh, they got up and just acted busy. Why? Because the white hat is out here. Or usually they, they went in, in groups, you know, because, I don't know, maybe they weren't man enough to come out there alone. But anyway, but the white hats are out there. But our shift had a foreman. Oh, oh, but that, that's, why, that's why the day shift always had more resources, because that's when the, white, when the white hats go home, uh, all you got to show them is numbers. They, they weren't going to see us perform much, you know, just the last hour or two of their, of their day. So the resources always went to the day shift. We were resolved to outwork the day shift, to persuade them to give us the resources. Give us the crane operator that knows what he's doing. Give us the guys that can crank out the steel to get the steel to us so that we could cut it and we could keep on. Look, hey, look at these numbers. We're blowing them out of the water. You give us the resources. You give us the smart people, and we'll do even better. So what would we do? We would go to the lord of the plant, the plant manager, and say, hey, we need help. And what would he do if we got his attention? He would take this guy who had some sense and move him off of days and put him on nights. And that's what I see in my mind when I hear Jesus say, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. That we work so hard and yet we get a hold of God and say, God, we're doing everything we can and still look at this city that goes untouched. And we could do more if you gave us more teachers. We could do more if you gave us more song leaders. We could do more if you gave us... Let you say, well, Pastor, how come you're not saying anything about space? How come you're not saying anything about buses? Because I believe... The, hey, how come you're not saying anything about money? Because I believe the great commodity, the hot commodity is always workers. I believe if we had the manpower, God would provide the money. And I've seen that to be true for 22 years. When you provide the manpower, God provides the money. But we don't even provide the manpower. We pray the Lord of the harvest. Understand God's in charge of the harvest. He wants people reached more than we do. I don't know why he's left it up to pray for workers. But I I know that he does because Jesus said so. Not only does he want the harvest more than we do, he knows where the laborers are. He knows where somewhere in this country there's some fella sitting in a church with his family And that church just sold off their buses and went to a contemporary worship service. And they decided to try to attract people instead of reach people. You know the difference? We'll talk about it sometime. He decided to attract people instead of reach people. And there's somebody sitting in that church and and he's, man, we gave up the buses. I surrendered my life. I've been, I've been driving a bus for 15 years. I've been visiting every Saturday for the last 15 years. 
I've been bringing people to church. I, I haven't driven Sunday morning to church in a car for 15 years. And now they're going to take that away from me. And there's no other church in our town that runs buses. Lord, what do I do? God knows where that fella is. God knows who the people are that have reached, been reached in our church that aren't coming to church. They've never really understood what the whole bus... They, they think the bus ministry is just providing transportation. Anybody needs a ride, we'll go pick them up. That's not what the bus ministry is. But, but there's some people that have been saved right here, that have attended church right here, that have maybe come to church for five or ten years, and they've never understood the, the concept of the bus ministry. God knows who they are. He knows where they are. And God knows how to call all those people. But he waits for us to pray the Lord of the harvest to ask for laborers. And we're not, we're not asking. Oh, we may have mentioned a prayer once in a while. We may complain to God, Lord, I sure wish we had more workers. But we have not, as a church, gotten a hold of God and say, God, you got to send us some workers. There's a city of people many of whom would come to church if we had the workforce. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the bus ministry, but it's not just the bus ministry. There's all kinds of ways that God could bring people to church if we had the workers in place to care for them. Our job is to pray the Lord of the harvest. He wants to harvest worse than we do. He knows where the workers are. He knows how to call them. He knows how to get them in place. We have got to get a hold of the throne of God. My father worked uh, my whole childhood, 6 a.m. to uh, 6, 7, 8. It was not unusual for him to come home 8, 9 o'clock. Then on Saturday, he would work same hours, many, many Saturdays from early in the morning. He was gone before I got up to watch the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. And uh, I didn't see him until late in the afternoon or evening. And, uh, of course, during the week he was driving his, his uh, uh, concrete truck. And Saturday uh, he had a friend who owned a construction company. And he'd be driving a dump truck or operating heavy equipment at, at uh, uh, different job sites around Westchester County, and he did that my entire childhood, six days a week. When, uh, when Pastor Dale started New England Heritage Baptist Church in Ridgefield, I was 16 when the church started, and uh, pretty soon after the church started, oh, no, we, we had a van when we started, that's right, we already had a van. And a uh, man from Reading, New Canaan, uh, Ted was, Ted Coley. A man from Reading, man at that time in his 50s or 60s, he said, oh, he was, he was Florence Duckworth's brother-in-law. And he said, uh, 
I'll, I'll use that van to go to Danbury and pick her up and bring her to church in Richfield. He said, if, if Joey will help me. That, that was me, all right? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And so I went and, and uh, rode with him, and we'd invite kids and so forth to ride the van to church, but it was for, for a while. It was, it was me and Mr. Coley and Florence. And uh, then Florence had a, a, a couple of neighbors that started riding, and so it was them and then a couple of others, and it was time for me to go to college. I went off to college, and somewhere while I was in college, you know, you're a Bible college, you lose track of what's going on. I, I lost track of what's going on in the world, uh, I, really, sports, everything. I was focused. And so I, I, but somewhere when I'm in Bible college, Mr. Coley has a heart attack. So now we've got a van with a handful of people coming to church and no people to drive, nobody to visit them on Saturday or drive the van on Sunday. My father, who's been working every Saturday for years and years, my entire childhood, made a decision. He gave up his Saturday job to go visit on Saturday with my mother and go pick the people up for church on Sunday. And they, for years, drove the the van. The van became a bus. And God used that and blessed it in a big way. When we we started our church, we didn't have a a bus route or a van route for a, a long time, but when we, uh, when we did start it, it was just a natural thing. We had a blue and white van that we bought in Pauling. For just, it was on the side of the road. And uh, we bought it. It was just a natural thing for my father to drive the van. Blue and white van. Boy, that, it, was a, it was a great, great van. Caught fire once or twice. And, uh, but it always did the job. We've never, we've never had an accident in all these years, praise the Lord. <clears throat> and... Um, my kids, that's how they rode to church. We parked the van at my house, and my father would come to the house, and the kids would go out, and they'd get in the van. And my kids don't know what it is to go to church in a car on Sunday morning. But I'll, but I'll, I'll say this. If my father hadn't made that choice to give up the Saturday work, There'd be no bus ministry as we know it today here. Now, I'm not saying we wouldn't, have had, we wouldn't have something going. I'm saying it wouldn't be where it is if my parents hadn't made that choice. I don't know what caused my father to make that choice, except I know the Lord of the harvest knocked on his door. And that's all I'm asking you to do is to pray for the Lord of the harvest to knock on some people's door. I told you about a list of 40-plus men I've got right over there, people that I'm going to call this week and say, hey, why don't you come Saturday night? I looked at that list, and I saw men's name on that list that I could figure out a way where they could be bus workers. But you know what? Even if they did it just to please me, it wouldn't last long. But if God knocks on their door, they may still be driving 40 years later. So I'm going to pray the Lord of the harvest. 
Lord, send workers. Now, I have to warn you, if you pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers, he may call you. But that's okay. Because if you've been praying and you call, I mean, if you've been praying and God calls, you will want to. I won't say it'll be an easy decision, but when God opens your eyes and says, says bam, you, this is a ministry and you can do this, you'll see it and you'll say, it's time. Brother Zach, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And maybe it's not the bus ministry that God calls you to. Maybe it's to be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it's to, uh, to be a, a greeter. Really, we need a couple people there, a couple people downstairs. There needs to be a face of the church everywhere, in the parking lot. There needs to be people to care for the multitudes. God may call you, and if he does, you'll want to. So I'm not standing up here begging and pleading for you to volunteer. I really am not. This is not a, oh, I see what you're doing. This is a, if, if you're not asking me to volunteer, maybe I will. Absolutely not. God knows my heart. That's not the effort tonight. The effort is to challenge Northeast Baptist Church to pray for the, the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. Now, I have, to, I have to confess something. As I was preparing this message, God smote my heart. And so I told Brother Zach this afternoon, as when I'm walking, late July, early August, I'm going to be a bus worker. Wherever you want me, I'll be a bus worker. I don't need to be in charge of anything. I'll do whatever you tell me you need done. But I'm going to be a bus worker. Why? Because God said, you're going to pray for that? What are you going to do about it? Okay, I'm volunteering. I'll visit Saturday. I'll work on the, on the bus on Sunday. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to pray. Lord, send laborers. Lord, send laborers. We're not helping anybody if we persuade more people to come and we operate with a crippled workforce. People will come to church. They won't be loved. The people that are already here will be, will be mistreated if we don't have a God-sent workforce. Pray for workers. Pray for workers. You say, Pastor, that was a pretty, pretty simple message. We've heard all that before, but we're not doing it. We're not doing it. I'm asking you to put this on your prayer list. I'm asking you to get burdened to pray. I'm asking you to hear the words of Jesus Christ when he said, Look at them all! And we don't have enough workers. What's the solution? He didn't go out and recruit volunteers. He told his disciples, Fellas, pray. Boys, you better pray. Boys, you better pray for workers. You better pray for workers. Let's stand together tonight.